नमस्ते प्रेयर्स एंड मेडिटेशंस एंड टुडे वी विश टू रीड ए प्रेयर टेक अप ए प्रेयर ऑफ द मदर वेट शी रिवील्स टू अस समथिंग वेरी इंटरेस्टिंग अबाउट द लॉ ऑफ एक्शन शी इज ऑलरेडी रिवील टू अस लास्ट टाइम वी रेड अबाउट हाउ डिपेंडिंग ऑन द स्टेट ऑफ कॉन्शियसनेस अवर एटीट्यूड वन काइंड और एनदर काइंड ऑफ डिटर्मिनिज्म बिगिन्स टू ओपन इट्स स्टोर्स now we read something very uh, interesting because all of us want to know uh, like arjuna anybody with a little bit of satvik uh, buddhi wants to know what i should do and what i should not do uh, what kind of rule i should make for, for my life uh, everybody wants to make some rules and navigate life through that unless one is completely unruly living life like a wild person or uh, even animals have their own rules so we want to have some kind of a rule rhythm of life with which we have to navigate so what kind of rules if any we should make in our pursuit of the divine so there is a very interesting prayer which reveals this truth it is indeed a deep meditation because any amount of contemplation on it uh, is really incomplete it's a prayer dated february 7th 1914 for him who is integrally united with thee and therefore constantly conscious of what most perfectly expresses thee in act under given circumstances no external rule is necessary this is the mother's condition when she is uh, speaking of this prayer this is the condition of great yogis this is what shri krishna says when he says for somebody who has already uh, living in union with the divine then vedva the study of scriptures he speaks of sabd brahmati vartate going beyond the written word even shurbindu speaks of that in synthesis of yoga so all the yogis and often people have misunderstood that you know i was reading very interesting discussion the other day um, see how we can get into a very uh, false state so there is a discussion going on in certain group uh, in which a lot of uh, certain sikhs and hindus are deliberating so sikhs believe they are a separate religion whereas hindus believe they are a branch of vedanta so it is vedanta which has uh, you know uh, it is one of the vedantic in fact advait vedanta or vishist advait vedanta so the sikh people they believe that no no because guru nanak said i am neither a hindu nor a muslim uh, neither this scripture will help you nor that scripture but the problem is it's perfectly fine guru nanak is speaking of a very high state of consciousness in a certain state we go beyond scripture even the gita says that but we end up turning his own words into a scriptural knowledge now you see this is the paradox that all scriptures say all genuine scriptures that go beyond the scripture into the experience scripture rules of living they are uh, there to guide us to reach a point it's uh, another way to look at it is that when we are going to the uh you know to meet the lord and the temple is high up in the mountain so there is a point till which we uh, travel by train or by air then we travel by road 
then comes a point where we have to get off uh, the taxi or car or bus and probably travel like earlier in Kedarnath through a kandi. But maybe let's say that now right up till there, up to a point the car can take us. And then we have to even come out of the car and we have to walk. And then there comes a time where we have to even leave the footwear and then we have to walk inside. So it's a symbol that all these vehicles, scripture is a vehicle. Up to a point it can take us. But if we keep always uh, remaining, remain tied to the scripture, its word, its analysis and don't have the aspiration for the living experience, then we become bound. So this is where she is saying that for somebody who has realized union with thee, then no rule of life is necessary. Neither a scriptural rule, nor an ideological rule, nothing is required, no mental rule, because he is a free person. Sri speaks of the same thing even in one of the thoughts of uh, and aphorism. That for somebody who has found uh, the inner guide, the inner divine, then you don't need anything. And he says, but if you have not found, then you have to use the Vedanta as a lamp till you have found. But when you have found, none of this is necessary. The six darshanas and the uh, four Vedas, they all can be left aside. Even interestingly, in one of the Upanishads, it is said, the um, three Vedas, the Rig Veda, Sam Veda, the Yujur Veda, they belong to the lower knowledge. Now, it is not the Veda which belongs to the lower knowledge, but a scriptural understanding of the Vedas. But the higher knowledge consists of Brahmagyan, which is always an experiential state. So, she says that all the do's and don'ts and rules of life uh, are meaningless, provided no external rule is needed, provided we have the constant union, perfect consciousness in which we are always guided with thee in such a manner that our actions are expressing you, uh, the divine presence constantly. Then she reveals, the principles of life are in some nothing but make shifts meant to diminish in the measure of the possible the ignorance of those who do not yet know thee and to remedy as well as one can the moments of blindness and obscurity of those who have only an intermittent contact with thee. So principles of life which we make serve two purpose. Say for instance if you make a principle of life that thou shalt not kill. Now, for somebody living in complete ignorance, it's a good principle because it prevents us, we are not likely to harm anybody. Uh, in our blindness, it prevents us, you know, or let's say that I'll be vegetarian all my life. Now, these principles have their validity when we are completely in darkness or when we have partial union and time to time we are blinded, then certain principles help us uh, in such a way that these moments of blindness are not so disastrous like Yudhisthira. Uh, he is a good person. Of course, he is not a yogi, but a sattvic man. But there is a moment of blindness. So, moments of blindness can come to everybody. And not everybody has the um, state like Arjuna to surrender to the Lord and say that you guide me. So, principles of life are helpful when we are in a state of ignorance so that they reduce the burden of ignorance. They cannot remove ignorance from us. If we think that by following certain principled life, by following certain ideas and idealism, we will arrive at yoga, then we are just fooling ourselves. But what they will do is, it will prevent from certain uh, consequences which can be very disastrous in our life. So, these principles of life are makeshifts. So, to diminish in the measure of the possible the ignorance of those who do not yet know thee and to remedy as well as one can 
the moments of blindness and obscurity of those who have only an intermittent contact with thee. So this is the one usefulness of principles. The second is, he says, to make rules for oneself and to make them as general, that is to say, as supple as possible, is good, but on condition that they are considered as no more than artificial lights which should be employed only when the full and natural light of the communion with thee is lacking. So, say for instance that uh, as Swami Vivekananda put it so nicely that every day we should give bath to the body and to the uh, soul. But if we cannot have time for both then give bath to the soul. So, the principle is that, okay, every day morning I must spend some time in contemplation of the divine. Now, this is fine. It's a general rule. But there is a suppleness in it. Supposing we say, no, exactly at 8 o'clock, 8 to 8.30 I am going to do it. Or exactly at 4 o'clock I am going to do it. Or exactly at this time I am going to do it. Then, slowly my mind is getting into a very rigid mold. And the rest of the day, um, we may not be able to express that law. I remember once traveling in a train with one uh, Swamiji and the Swamiji was getting visibly very restless and uh, you know he, it, it was evident to everyone and I asked him what is the difficulty he said no no uh, you know uh, this is my time for puja I said so please go ahead if we are disturbing you in any way we will be quiet uh, he said no 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 the thing is that I have to take a bath now I said okay the train will uh, stop you can go to bathroom and maybe put to <laughs> a little bit bath over your water over your body he said no 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 I must take bath from this particular water so he was looking for a time when a station comes where the train stops for a long enough period so that he can go take a proper bath and then come back and then only he will sit for meditation. So now this is called a rigidity of nature. So whereas we have to make principles, rules which are supple enough. Not that absolutely under all circumstances I am going to do this and this alone. So she says that when we make such rules, one they should be supple enough at the same time, we should know it is an artificial light. Now, this is very relevant. We can you know, talk about it in a moment. Moreover, a constant revision of these rules is imperative. For they can only be the expression of a present knowledge and must necessarily gain by every increase, every improvement of knowledge. Let's say for example that somebody has made a rule that every day I will visit the temple or in our context the ashram. Now It is a wonderful rule. But a time may come when you have to discover the divine within. Repeatedly the mother reminds us that it is not by being close to me physically that you are going to realize. Same thing Shurabindo reminds. Even humorously when someone said that I believe those who are nearest to you physically they are the ones who will first be supramentalized. And Shurabindo, with his characteristic humor, says in that case, this little uh, ink pad on my desk, uh, this piece of wood will be the first to be supramentalized. Uh, we, we know that some of the people who are very close to him, even some whom he, he wrote such beautiful letters, couldn't bear the pressure of transformation and went away. Whereas there may be a person far away, and mother has recounted such instances, who may be very close to the divine. Now this, as I said, is very relevant uh, in context because nowadays many of us are not able to go to the ashram. There are people, I mean, well, the ashram is closed uh, because of all this um, government orders. And uh, then there are people who had made a reservation booking that 100 years of mother is coming, centenary, so, you know, they wanted to come. Now, 
what will happen they don't know whether it will open or not open of course the bookings have been cancelled and they were you know even requesting that is it possible so that we can have the uh, you know picture of the video of the stairway leading to mother's room so that they could have a room darshan e darshan as it is called so i don't know about that part uh, somebody wrote to me i said well probably uh, you know i i thought and i thought i'll write that uh, i'm not the person for this maybe one can write to the authorities if such a thing is possible i don't even know whether it'll be closed or not closed but one thing which is always accessible to us is the inner room darshan we can always go within and there is nobody who will stop us it is open 24/7 wherever we may be we can find the contact inside and if we have not done it so far it's time that we do it after all mother's coming is not just coming to a place called pondicherry she is coming to our hearts that's what the avatar comes for and it is here in this room that we have to discover her and then there is nothing required no permission required no timing i mean at midnight we can go and visit her so that is what she is reminding us that uh, these rules must be revised uh, depending on the change circumstances now if i cannot go outwardly to the ashram doesn't mean that i will be unhappy uh, it means that i have to reinvent the whole thing discover how i can go within and contact her it it is an occasion to actually increase my fire of aspiration to make the union more and more constant and entire and for somebody who has not found the divine presence within that i must find the divine presence within look at swami vivekananda he went um, to us and uk lived for 3 years Uh, does it mean that he was away from the master no all the time he was carried by the master and the master carried him so much so that before he traveled out people complained about swami vivekananda to shri ramakrishna paramhans that you know he goes to a hotel he sits and eats with someone and you know shri ramakrishna must have foreseen his future so he says even if he were to go to the western countries go outside into the west in the glamour of the west sit in a hotel drink wine and eat meat still he would remain pure now this is the state of consciousness ultimately it is not a uh, invitation to drink wine and eat food meat but it means that much more important is the state of consciousness and we must first discover this union within and that uh, because in this yoga it's a yoga of integral perfection that union must start changing our mind our thoughts our feelings and even our outer being not just because of some outer rule but simply because that is the demand of the divine presence within us so it makes a difference we may do the same thing but as a rigid rule we may do the same thing because of the growing in a presence within that is why when meditating on the attitude which one should have towards all who approaches so as not only to abstain from doing them any harm but above all to strive to do them the greatest good possible and that means to help them best in making the supreme discovery so she says that when people come come to us and ask what we should do how we should you know people often ask how many japa times i should sit in meditation how much japa i should do what i should do to find the divine not repeatedly the mother focuses on the sincerity of the inner state repeatedly she says outer methods are very good helpful in their own place but when they are done too much like a rule or a rigid rule we lose the real thing the real thing is the inner aspiration 
That's why Shubhendra speaks of the triple effort of this yoga, which is aspiration, rejection, surrender. Because helping people is not about doing well in their examination or in their marriage, etc. When people sought blessings of the mother for their marriage, she would give. And uh, then the person said, but my marriage is very unhappy. <laughs> she said, my blessings are dangerous. They are not meant to make you happy. They are meant to give you, make you progress. But we have this idea. So she says, the real help that we can provide to people is to discover this supreme presence. And what should be the rule regarding it? She says, it seemed to me that no rule was vast and supple enough to adapt itself to thy law. There is nothing which one can say as an absolute rule that do this, don't do this. And at one place she says very powerfully, she says that if you carry this thirst inside, then the extravagances of an American youth are a path. But if you don't have this thirst, you may be living right next to the ocean and yet you won't be able to take a single drop. So this thirst is important. So she says, the sole true way was to be always in communion with thee so that any solution might be perfectly adapted to the infinite diversity of circumstances. And that is why we see because when the mother and Shurabindu guide and that's why nobody else can be a guide in this yoga. We can share things, we can have the joy of traveling together, the joy of sharing her love, all this is fine. But when we look at mother and Shurabindu's letters, to one person they say one thing, to another person completely different. To somebody she would say, you want to know what happens when you eat meat? When you eat meat, you will, uh, she tells the story of the chicken. That, you know, when the person ate it and, you know, in the stomach there was this nightmare. And she says you would absorb that consciousness. To somebody else who was very proud and rigid about vegetarianism, she said, start eating meat. Now, a very, very different um, thing. Uh, so, same with Sri he says, uh, if you turn my letters into a dogma that Sri said so, mother said so, then that is dangerous because what I write to X is meant to for X and not for Y. And then he says to somebody, I may say, sleep less, eat less, who is too much into these things. But to someone else, I may give an opposite advice, eat more, sleep more. So, they see aspires to the divine or rather she says that I have realized there is no rule which I can make which is absolutely perfect. That's why Mother and Shirobindo never gave uh, a universally applicable uh, method. But yes, they guide from within for each of us in our own way the unfolding takes place. This is what she is um, reminding us the relativity of rules and yet their usefulness and the difficulties they may pose if you turn them into very rich dogmas. And finally, she is reminding us to go beyond rules and arrive at a state of constant and conscious union with the divine. I will read this prayer again. February 7th, 1914 For him who is integrally united with thee, and therefore constantly conscious of what most perfectly expresses thee in act under given circumstances, no external rule is necessary. The principles of life are in some nothing but makeshifts meant to diminish 
in the measure of the possible the ignorance of those who do not yet know thee and to remedy as well as one can the moments of blindness and obscurity of those who have only an intermittent contact with thee to make rules for oneself and to make them as general that is to say as supple as possible is good but on condition that they are considered as no more than artificial lights which should be employed only when the full and natural light of the communion with thee is lacking moreover a constant revision of these rules is imperative for they can only be the expression of a present knowledge and must necessarily gain by every increase every improvement of knowledge that is why when meditating on the attitude which one should have towards all who approach us so as not only to abstain from doing them any harm but above all to strive to do them the greatest good possible and that means to help them best in making the supreme discovery the discovery of thee in them it seemed to me that no rule was vast and supple enough to adapt itself to thy law the sole true way was to be always in communion with thee so that any solution might be perfectly adapted to the infinite diversity of circumstances namaste